Why does that container say Jamaican on it? That's the kind of coffee that used to be in it. Oh. It was the Jamaican me crazy coffee. Mm. And it was delicious. <laughs> oh Jamaican my. me crazy. It's so, it's really, it's Jamaican coffee. And uh, it's from my favorite coffee brand. Um, and uh, they, it's like never in the store. I think we ordered it. Like I got it once. And I was like, this is the best thing in the world, you know? And then uh, I think one day Erica bought like a box of it. It was like three or four bags and it was so good. So we were grinding it up and putting it in there. That's why that said Jamaican. Now it's filled with candy canes. Yeah, it was it was misleading. Like, <laughs> Jamaican, Jamaican candy. Somebody, somebody said, are these Jamaican candy canes? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, like that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Jamaican candy canes. So we had a big week. Yeah. Guess. We did. We had our big meeting at your house yesterday. It's a great meeting. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Encouraging. You want to tell people what our meeting not, was about? Not, <laughs> not really. Oh, boy. So we shouldn't record on Mondays. <laughs> New rule. <laughs> I was up late last night, last night watching a show called Naked Castaway. Yeah? Yeah. What's that about? Oh, I should explain... Naked Castaway. You won't talk about the other thing we're talking about, so yeah. Well, it's this guy. He's like a survivalist type guy. He he uh, walked the whole length of the Amazon River on his own, just surviving by coming in contact with tribes. I think you mean swam. It's a river. Not, well, no, you, no. He walked the length of it. Oh. Okay. It's like thousands of Did miles. he build like a long bridge or something? That's not what the show's about. I'm just giving you a little background. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So the concept for this show is he wanted to see if he could survive on a remote island by himself for 60 days. Oh. And the reason it's called Naked Castaway is because he goes on the island literally with nothing, including his clothes. No, so he goes on the island naked. Does no, he make clothing in episode one for the sake of the blurry people? The he, people whose job it is to um, blur? He does. I heard that's uh, expensive, the blurring. They don't blur. That's why it's called Naked Castaway. So you see it. He, it's not full nudity, but you see his buttocks at times. Yeah. Until he makes a, a grass dress. Yikes. Um, but, no, it's interesting. Uh, buttocks he, are man in a dress. Yeah. So uh, he has no tools, n- nothing. All he has is the camera to do- document his time there. Eesh. So he loses like 40 pounds, uh, you know, through the whole thing. And... Um, he has to find food, build a fire, build a shelter, all those, all those things. Mm. Uh, not get sunburned. How's he doing? Water was the hardest. There's coconuts. He drank the coconuts. Uh, he survived. He lost a tooth in the process. Did he use it for something? No, he um, <laughs> bit into a hard mango and it just took it right out. Ah. Um, <laughs> and with like 10 days left to go, there, uh, he finally caught a goat. There's goats on the island. Um, so he made a bow and arrow, which didn't work. But the way he caught a goat was it got tangled in, in vines. Oh, so he found a goat. He found a goat. He found would, and murdered a goat. Yeah, and he didn't have a tool, so he just took a big rock and smashed it over the head. Wow. And he actually did make a knife. Uh, you know, He would get stuff that would drift in from the ocean. So like a metal uh, can drifted in. So he took the top of the can and sharpened it and tied it, la- lashed it to a piece of wood to make a knife out of it mm-hmm. so he's able to butcher the goat so is, he, is this all like him talking to the camera and like putting it on rocks to see himself like 
Yeah, there's no other cameraman. Does it get does it get boring? I didn't watch. There's it's like episodes. It's on like uh, National Geographic channel or some Mm -hmm. of those channels. Um, I couldn't sit through all of it, so I I basically watched the first one and the last episode (laughs) to see if he made it. Uh, really enjoying the show. Yeah, so he made uh, goat jerky. Mm. That's a great way to preserve the meat to make it last and for it not to spoil. So he he smoked it over a log, mm. and then he um, smoked cooked, he cooked, goat jerky, and then he cooked it under. Uh, he dug a hole and placed rocks in the hole, and then heated up the rocks really hot, and then put the the legs of the goat on top of it and buried it under palm leaves and more dirt, and mm-hmm. just cooks for like four hours under the ground. Mm. And when it came up, it was like the succulent meat falling off the bones. Mm. He was like going, he was going crazy because he, yeah. he was eating like snails. This is on the last episode. Yeah, last episode. Wow. But it's cool he did it. He basically said that he could survive indefinitely on an island by himself. He mm. pro- after 60 days, he had an, a system going where he could just keep it going. Wow. It's amazing. That's awesome. I would we would have lasted like what? I can just picture us like the first day we're dying of thirst and we can't open a coconut. <laughs> like, how do you open this? I don't know He's what to crying. do. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> we start drinking the seawater. <laughs> we're burned. They check out check out us forty eight hours and we're completely sunburned, running around we're, with dementia from the seawater. Like naked lobsters, just <laughs> squirming. <laughs> In the sand. <laughs> Tell you one thing, we wouldn't be eating smoked goat jerky. <laughs> the goats would be eating us after we turn into jerky from being dehydrated on the beach. <laughs> human jerky. Human jerky. Smoked human jerky. Gross. This is a frank discussion with Jan Jacobs. A weekly conversation about the Christian life with Frank Delala and me, Dan Jacobs. Hi, Dan. <laughs> Hi, Frank. <laughs> so, Dan, we wanted to thank uh, our listeners. We had a couple of people who gave generously to the show. I love it. And uh, amazing. Yeah, we got a generous donation from our friend Santa Claus. Literally, person only put Santa Claus they didn't want to be known you know I probably could have like really really dug yeah into some of the code to find the person's real name on their credit card but yeah. I decided they wanted to be anonymous so I thought okay but I did want to thank Santa so thank you Santa Santa's, Claus Santa's so generous it's so generous that's amazing yeah I love that guy love that guy and so or girl sweet. oh man well not and or or <laughs> you just made it so awkward. We're in the middle of thanking Santa for a generous donation. And now well, he's I'm like, saying, I don't know if the real, the person behind the Santa donation is a guy or a girl, but they're not a guy and or girl. <laughs> they're a guy or girl. Santa is not ambiguous. And then we had another person who tried to become a member and, uh, and, and, um, Wanted to become a member, but accidentally clicked the wrong button. So, but, (laughs) which is great. You know, we still appreciate it. They still gave a donation. So here's the thing. We would really appreciate it if you'd go uh, to a frankdiscussion.me and then you click on the membership at the top of the page, or you can go to frankdiscussion.me slash membership. We would appreciate a normal scenario where it's not Santa and not someone (laughs) who clicks the wrong button. (laughs) Hey, you can pretend to be whoever the heck you want to be. I'll I'll take your money. This, uh, this, this show. Well, Frank, just explain it to people so that there's no confusion on how to give. All right. Well, there's, there's, we have three things on the page. You can become uh, a listener. 
<laughs> and then you have listeners, that's uh, $5 a month. And then we have partners, which is more a month. We're actually debating about how much it's going to be. <laughs> if you go now, you might get a million dollars. Yeah, it's a million dollars a month. <laughs> or you can make a one-time donation of any amount, though we do have a handful of suggested amounts. So go there, click on any of those, and it supports the show. And, but, and listen, you don't get anything in return except that title of listener or partner. You know, that's what you get. But it's real huge help to us. And it's not a lot of money. If you, preach, uh, if you appreciate the show, uh, you, you'd become a listening member. That's huge. $5 a month. A handful of people do that. And we start to pay for the website every month. We might want to reconsider the title listener because technically you can do that for free. That's true. You, aren't, you know what I'm saying? So maybe, should, maybe the $5 a month person should be the partner. And then the other amount that we're debating, what could yeah. they be? Um, it's got to be something that transfers to my other show, too, because I use the same thing. <laughs> use the same service. <laughs> I don't know what to call that. I don't either. Partner. Gold partner. <laughs> Platinum. Platinum partner. Platinum member. <laughs> we could have the the gold partner or the platinum partner. Okay. I don't know. We'll talk. We'll figure it's it out. It's good enough for now. Yeah, so become a member. And here's the thing. If you want to get something in return other than just the show and our appreciation, you can use our Amazon link. You can try an Audible account, which is awesome. You'll get a lot of, out of it anyway. I recently became an Audible member again because I had a project I was working on. I knew I wanted to listen to a bunch of books on a certain theme. Mm-hmm. So I went in and I flipped a switch and I became a regular Audible member again for two books a month, which is so great. And, and the way it works, if, you, if you've never used Audible, uh, I mean, I was telling people about Audible before I was trying to make money off of people using Audible, but because um, I've been using it for a long time. The way it works is you get credits every month. And if you have a certain membership, you get one credit a month. If you go up to the next level, you get two. And there may be a third level, I'm not sure. But I have the one where you get two credits a month. And um, at least that's the account I usually have had. Sometimes I've had the one credit account. But anyway, you, you can build up a certain amount, like if you don't use them all right away. And most of the books, it's rare that I've ever wanted a book that was more than one credit. You know, you'll get these books that are like literally 24 hours long. Yeah. You know, I have books that are like a day to listen to. I've had books that have been longer than that. That's a meaty book. And, and sometimes there'll be one credit. Yeah. You know, and, and here's the thing. You'll have a book that's one credit where it would have been 10 bucks or it would have been 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. And it... it it's being charged. Totally it's pretty great. It. Sometimes it's two credits, but anyway, I, I love it. So, um, really worth your while to do that. So, and then there's a couple other ways that you can help us out there on the, uh, the show notes. So check it out at frankdiscussion.me. And here's the other thing, Dan, every week after we post the show, we send out an awesome newsletter with our show notes. And, it's a nice uh, newsletter. It is, it's a really nice newsletter. And yeah. if, if you, uh, you know, you're a person, you don't, you're not that fancy. You're not sure how to use uh, podcast apps and stuff like that. Uh, you can go to a frankdiscussion.me and at the upper right-hand corner of the page, you just put your email address in there and hit subscribe and you'll get that newsletter automatically when we post it every week. It looks official. It is official. It's legit. Yeah. It's Unlike the actual show. Unlike the show, yeah. It, it's uh, it's <laughs> nice. You get a little picture. There's a picture there that has some mustaches in it. Who doesn't want that? Me and you with mustaches. Yeah. Email to your account. That's not even something that happens on a, on a real day. What other incentive do you need? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, people. That's for free, people. That's just give us your email address. That's all we're asking. Just a bonus. Yeah, so hey, at the very least, you don't want to do any of those other things we talked about? Show us your support by signing up for the newsletter mm-hmm. so we can bug you about other things once a week. <laughs> so this is uh, this is part two of our discussion last week. We started talking mm-hmm. about how God changes people, one of my all-time favorite things to teach about. 
And uh, we, we're, we're looking at three flawed approaches and uh, three steps or tips or something about the real approach. I'm not sure what I call that. It's just how, how does it change people? And I have three things about it. So we got through the first one, which uh, we said the first one was wrong and the next two are flawed. So last week we talked about the wrong one, which is God changes you through fear. That is, if you sit around worrying that God will be mad at you and hate you and send you to hell as a Christian or reject you in some meaningful way, that that'll motivate you to holiness and uh, it just doesn't work. And not only that, it's really insulting to the cross of Christ, which we got, had a good discussion about the cross of Christ last week. So mm-hmm. check out the show notes about that. I talk about the three theological words from uh, Romans chapter three, propitiation, redemption, and justification. And let me say this. If you're a Christian and you do not have uh, a memorized definition of those three terms in your mind, then you should. Because <laughs> those are really important terms you know <laughs> can I tell you an embarrassing story sure uh yes absolutely this was I was doing it wasn't my ordination interview I think it was something prior to that like at least we do have different tiers and so this was like my first one and I'm in this room with all these guys who are supposed to approve of me and they're asking me questions about like church government and stuff, like th- basically stuff from their bylaws. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> they're looking at me like, what's what's wrong with you? They like, didn't even attempt an yeah. answer. <laughs> yeah, like you should have read the handbook, Frank. You got me on that one. <laughs> Frank, you pastor a church, Frank. You should stumped. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it was. It was bad. Uh, and then they started asking me theological questions. And I was like, and they were like, this one guy basically, in a very polite way, said, oh, you're not dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was surprised. At yeah. that point, he thought it maybe I was not intelligent, because yeah. I was, like, passing on questions that had, you're not supposed to pass had on. Had some sort of head injury at one point in your life. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and he said, oh, you know. Wow. And he's like, you, oh, so you're smart. You just don't care about those other things. <laughs> and I was like... Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> we have a winner. <laughs> Come on down. So he was like, good. You should learn those other things too. I was like, you got it, buddy. <laughs> and then I, I think I might have known them for my next interview. So, Maybe. But I remember the, there were people in the room looking at me like, this guy's got problems. <laughs> so anyway. Um, so yeah, today I want to look at at least these last two of the flawed ones, and we'll see how far we get before we run out of time. So, so the second flawed approach to spiritual development, and I really, really got to listen to the last show to understand where we're coming from on this one. But uh, you know, just just to catch you up real quick, that uh, we're all really this was the big thing that I said in the last episode. In fact, I talked about this Savior CC in my at our church uh, this Sunday. Uh, that Christians tend to be really clear about how God saves a person and really, really blurry and confused about how God changes a person. And understanding those two things. Um, actually, I shouldn't say people are clear about how God saves a person. They're pretty messed up on their doctrine of that often uh, as well. But someone who's come to appreciate Jesus and his cross is clear on that. Um, but then still somewhat blurry on how God changes people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we're trying to tackle here. We're trying to make that really clear. So second second flawed approach, and this one is, it's it's important, but it's incomplete. That's the way that I put it. And that is to develop strict discipline. So the belief here is that more discipline will lead to more godliness. And, uh, and, and I write here in my little handout here, because it's so close to being true, it's dangerous. 
Yeah. And it can lead to a person thinking, if I just try harder, if I learn more, if I get more accountability, if I confess more, if I confess more deeply, if I study more, if I pray more, more fasting, and so on. Uh, and the problem is, it's hard to imagine that any of these things would be bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, uh, here's here's where it falls apart. We start to believe that our actions and our discipline is the source of our transformation. So while those things are important, things like spending time in prayer, spending time in in uh, in Bible study, and, and all the good spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. it's important that we understand what what those are actually for and why we do them. You know, it's important to do them. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people, that's the first step is actually spending time with God in prayer, spending time in God's word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that'd be great. Uh, but but it's. Very important to understand that the the place that they actually take, and I think some people think it's it's like physical exercise. You know, the actual running on the treadmill is what burns the calories, is what puts me in shape. Right. The actual reading of the Bible is what changes my heart and makes me the person God wants me to be. Well, no, it doesn't it doesn't quite work that way. I think there's this like just it doesn't. It you know, if you want to be really simple, you could say yeah, reading your Bible changes your life. But there's a certain attitude behind it, a certain way of looking at it. Because I, I think we've all come across people who are very dedicated theologians as believers, very dedicated students, even dedicated to prayer. And yet there's all kinds of things in their life that God, God was never allowed to touch, mm-hmm. you know, attitudes, actions, habits that he was, he was never allowed to get at because they, they were uh, keeping themselves. So the result of this approach is uh, all the pressures on me and all the glory goes to me. So y- you get, you get uh, the best and the worst of it. I get all the credit for anything good that happens in my life, but I also bear all of the pressure. You know, so all the pressure is on me to change. And I look to myself as the source of change. And if something's not changing my life, it's because I have to try more, I have to read more, I have to do more. And uh, you come to the end of that, that, that can get pretty wearying and pretty exhausting pretty closely, pretty pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So the last flawed approach, approach so we can get to the good stuff. Uh, and this one, this one is probably, I think in today's evangelical environment, you know, uh, I don't know, I mean... Dif- different, you know, different Christians function inside of different Christian subcultures. I think for you and me, if we were to hear a mistake, this would probably be the one. And that's the let go and let God approach. Uh, I have it here. I, I called it relax and let God do it. And you'll hear that a lot, you know, just let go and let God. And and this one is so close. It's so close to being true. Would you call this the opposite of the last one you talked about? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, where, where the person just says, I, I, I don't have anything to do with my own personal growth. This is just something God does. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to just gonna like lay back, see what I'm not going to worry about. It. I'm not going to put any real effort into it. Mm-hmm. Just going to sort of see what he does. Since, since I can't change myself anyway, I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm not going to put any effort into it. Right. So yeah, this, this one is so close. Uh, now, it's a great way to think if you're talking about trusting God with your future or trusting God with your plans. In fact, you know... I've said many times, I'm very fond of saying, a person should be absolutely obsessed over their, over God's general will with their life and totally relaxed about his specific will f- for their life. So really intense about living as an image of God and glorifying him in everyday life and really relaxed about their future. You know, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I mean, prayerful and thoughtful, but ultimately submissively relaxed, you know? So here's the, here's the thing with this one. It has the correct assumption and the correct assumption here is that God loves us and wants to change us. That is absolutely right. 
The problem is that our natural state is that of resistance. It fails to take that into account. Mm -hmm. Fear and discipline don't ultimately work, but when we just wait around for the change to come, we default to our normal way of being, which is to resist God with all our hearts. And if you think sort of just being passive about your own spiritual growth, not being uh, intense in prayer, thoughtful and intentional in study and discipline, if you think you're going to just magically change, uh, that's 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 really unlikely. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's it's just not something that's going to happen. So the result of this approach is decline. I end up tolerating sin. I think I'm growing slowly while I'm really growing cold, and and uh, that's not what we want. So. It's time now, Dan, to talk about how does God really change people. So uh, what do we really have? And I have a few things. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things we can talk about, but I have three things that um, really grow grow out of the Bible that I think are really helpful, and I can get through these pretty quickly here. So uh, how does God really change people? Number one, God changes people who present themselves to him. And for that, we look at Romans 12, 1 through 2, where Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. And here's the thing from here. We see an indication of our active role, as well as an indication of our passive role. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, you know what? I just thought of something, Dan. What was that? This is not going to be on the website. Okay. This is only going to be linked to in the newsletter. All right. You like, see what I yeah, did there? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Get that newsletter. If people. you get that newsletter, I am going to include the full handout as an attachment in the newsletter. Nice. You'll be able to, you'll be able to go and grab the PDF. Not going to be on the website. Mm-hmm. Dan, is this going to be on the website? It's not going to be on the website. No. 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 And none of the suckers are going to get it. This is exclusive offer. It's exclusive. Only in the It's not going to cost you anything. Sign up, people. You got to put your to email and hit enter. You can only gain by signing up for the newsletter. We're pushing this really hard. Yeah. I want people to get the newsletter. All right. It's, it's worth their time. It? Right. So it describes our active role. And what is our active role? We present ourselves to God. He says, present yourselves as living sacrifices. Think about that. He's saying, lay your life down as if you're putting... And, and he the picture there is, uh, he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Right? Uh, years ago, it was a little cheesy, but I, I can live with that because it made the point. I had a, I had a, uh, a series we did called The Altered Life. And the word altered was spelled like altar, like a sacrificial. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it was really, <laughs> this, is, this is great. This is, I said it was cheesy, but it was still cool. The, the, the graphic for it, I, it was back before we were using ProPresenter for our presentations. We were using Keynote, which I love ProPresenter, but Keynote has like all these funny, fun little things that you could do, right? So the slide would come up and there was like smoke coming up from an altar and the top of the screen, blood would trickle down the screen. <laughs> That's intense. <laughs> yeah. What? Because it was altar, altered life, like on an altar. Yeah. So the whole point of the series was to live, be a living sacrifice. And so was, I, wa- I wanted people to think of blood sacrifice. That was on a projector in front of your congregation? Yeah. Smoke, I brought it to a youth group once. They loved it. Smoke rising and blood dripping down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and And it, oh, never mind. I, I just thought it was funny. So it, it was a little cheesy, but it was effective. Mm-hmm. I would use the word disturbing, <laughs> but okay. To each his own. <laughs> I was talking to an old friend, an old friend this week, a really good friend who who's listening to the show, mm-hmm. and he's like, 
That Dan guy with his with his knives, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that was like he's a great guy. He was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's hard to explain that away. Like, no, he's totally normal. I swear, he's so normal. <laughs> He's not weird at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I just said to him, I was like, I was like, you should go to his house. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was saying, you know, the cool thing, I was like, you know, did I, I didn't talk about this recently. I, I was so. like, the cool thing about Dan, I was like, you know, you go to someone's house and you see something cool in the corner and you're like, what's that? And it's it's not. Mm-hmm. It's like fi- a fishing rod or something. Yeah. You know, like in your house, if you see something cool in the corner, it's cooler than you think. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like it's definitely like we were at your house for a meeting, right? We were, it wasn't for the show. I think it was for a meeting. Yeah. Maybe it was for the we show. Did, no, we did a podcast there. Did we talk about it in the show? Because I'm like, what's that in the corner? Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's a Knight's Templar sword. And you go out in the corner and you pull out a sword. Uh And it wasn't even like, you know, some... It's legit. It was a hundred-year-old sword. Yeah. Covered in stink stink bugs. That was weird. Yeah. That was creepy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he pulled it out of the leather sheath. And for some reason, like a herd of stink bugs had taken up residence inside. I think they were eating the the, the cloth that was on it. Yeah, there was like a piece of linen that it was. You you totally freaked out, like a little girl. Yeah. Oh yeah, Yeah. I did. I'm not going to deny that. That happened. And then I ate them. They were disgusting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't eat them. My uncle, when we were kids, he used to pretend to uh, capture um, moths. Yeah. And he would, he, well, he would really capture them and then he would pretend to eat them. He would go like that. And then one time it got in his mouth and he actually <laughs> ate it. <laughs> so. Uh, jokes on him. Jokes on him. <laughs> so there's our active role. We present ourselves to God, Bible study, living in community and so on. And he says, present yourself as a living sacrifice. That's how we got on this. We started talking about my altar jokes. So, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, the image of one going before God and, and saying, and presenting themselves. That's the active role. Now, I, you know, I, I put there very casually to present ourselves in prayer, Bible intake, and living community, and so on, right? All these disciplines that we think are really important to the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Those are the practical ways that we present ourselves to God. You know, when Paul says present yourself to God, I, one, one thing, I, the conclusion I've come to over years, especially in recent years, is to take this kind of language really literally. And, and that is that the Bible says, present yourself to God. It just might be a good thing for you to go to God and say, I present myself to you as a living sacrifice to actually do it mm-hmm. to say like, I, I want to be a person who, whose life is so yours. It's like an animal slaughtered on an altar. Well, that's the imagery that he's giving, mm-hmm. you know, that you're, you're fully dedicating something to God. You know, there's no taking it back. You don't take that thing home with you. You leave it there. You should probably do that in private too. Like I'll not shout that out in the middle of Starbucks. God, I present myself as a living sacrifice. Um, I think that would make an impression on people, Dan. It really would. Let's see you do it with your camouflage coat on. People would be like, this is the end. Don't tempt me, Frodo. (laughs) That's the show title. Um, (laughs) So... uh, We're going yeah. to Starbucks after. Yeah. You can go in by yourself. I'm just picturing you in your camouflage jacket yelling, <laughs> I present myself to you, God. As a living sacrifice. You know people are running out of that store. They're like, this is it. You know? <laughs> Where's the bomb? Exactly. It'd be terrifying. Uh, and then, but here's the thing. It has, 
uh, the passive role. So we're, we, our passive role is this. We humble ourselves, come to God in all our weakness to be transformed. You notice in verse two, I know these things aren't totally connected in the verse, but it, I, I love this passage because it brings both things together. In verse one, he says, present yourselves, your bodies as living sacrifices. In verse two, he says, don't be conformed, be transformed. Mm. Now here's the thing. Transformed is in the passive voice. That is, it's indicating an action by God. Mm-hmm. So you are the object of God's transforming work. The interesting thing is you are being commanded. It's in the imperative, but it's passive. You are being commanded to be transformed. And my funny little way of illustrating that is it's, it's like being commanded to be punched in the face. You're being told to have something done to you. Yeah. You know? And, well, how do you do that? You show up for it. So the, You sit still while it gets done. So the Bible, you're saying the Bible isn't a self-help book. Right. Yes, I am saying that. Thank mm-hmm. you, Dan. You're welcome. Yeah. It's not all about tips and tricks of things that you can do. Exactly. It's about what God is going to do. It's not self-transformation. Exactly. And prayer, Bible study, living in Christian community, Bible intake. I, I should say, instead of Bible study, I should say Bible intake, because we take in the Bible not only through studying, but all kinds of ma- means and methods, um, including things like going to church, listening to podcasts, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely, because self-help is all about things you can do. Mm-hmm. And there are things you could do to help yourself. But when we're talking about having your inner world transformed to become like that, like the inner world of Christ himself, that's someone's definition of spiritual formation is that, that your inner being becomes like that of the inner being of Christ, mm-hmm. his character, his nature. Yep. You participate in it. And so, um, yeah, th- that's the thing that's so beautiful here. You are called to present yourself, but understand that you are presenting yourself is so that you are in a position, you're showing up, to be transformed. And he's the one who does the transforming. Mm-hmm. So Bible intake, prayer, living in community, fasting, whatever, whatever spiritual disciplines you want to talk about, it's all about being put in a place where God can do his work mm-hmm. of transformation. Yeah. So we didn't finish. We got two more. Okay. I'm excited to talk about them next week. This is really good stuff. It really removes the possibility of you know, when you believe it in this way, it removes the possibility of you making it like a competition or thinking that you're better than other believers because mm-hmm. you're doing more. Yeah. I see it a lot in the Christian community where it's like because someone is so devout and doing all these extracurricular things that are spiritual, yeah. They're somehow in better standing with God or more deserving of him moving in their life or choosing mm-hmm. them to be in charge of a certain ministry or whatever it is. That, you know, when you really believe the true gospel and what is really being said here by Paul, it removes any possibility of that yeah. entering in. Well, you know, I, this is something that's been in my mind for decades, literally. I, I hate the idea, because I think as a kid I thought this, I hate the idea that a Christian would think that someone else uh, who was, say, closer, had a closer relationship to God or, or God had done great things in their life, that they would think that that person is somehow special and that's why they're experiencing more of God in their life. Mm-hmm. That they were better than them or they just had some sort of super gift that they weren't, that they didn't have. And really what solved this for me was studying the Bible and seeing uh, passages like, uh, one passage that always had an impact on me. I, I, I'm going to go to it. I don't want to just try to quote it, but <clears throat> uh, from Philippians uh, chapter two, man, what, what's going on with my Bible app here? like it's in this like state that i can't get out of 
Uh, oh, I need to go to the library and open a Bible. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I think you almost started to cry. It was just... <laughs> yeah. It's going to be did. okay, Frank. Yeah, I was going to cry. Hang I'll own there. it. Hang in there, buddy. But uh, the <laughs> a passage that really explained all of this for me was uh, Philippians 3. Verse 7, Paul says, whatever a gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And prior to that, he's talking about his sort of like uh, his his credentials, uh, his spiritual credentials, where he just he talks about his pedigree and all these things that would sort of put him in a position of, of making certain people think that he were closer to God or that he were better. And he would say, uh, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing, surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And then later on, he talks about, he says, um, uh, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. And the the idea in that passage is that all of his focus is on what Christ has done to grant him righteousness. And from that place of depending upon the work of Christ he would know the power of Christ's resurrection in his life and, and grow from there. Mm-hmm. So the basis of his relationship with God isn't his past prior good works or pedigree. It's the work of Christ. That's the platform upon which his life is being developed and transformed. Mm-hmm. And it hit me, those, and this was many years ago, I was like a teenager, that there were no people who had better access to God than me. There was no one who... Uh, sort of started in some better place than me. Uh, you know, it, the, the sort of church context I grew up in, uh, you'd have these sort of like super Christians come around who, you know, borderline superheroes, you know. <laughs> and, and some of them really did have great gifts given to them by God. But in that sort of context, you get the impression that they were just, they were just, you were never going to be like, you were never going to know God like them because yeah. they were so special. Yeah. And, and they, to be honest, played that up a little bit so you'd need you know you'd need to be prayed over by them and stuff and mm-hmm. and they, they weren't all bad people it was sort of just a one of the one of the negatives that came with a lot of the positives of the kind of culture that that existed at the time and but it draws attention to them and not to, Je- yeah, not to Jesus that was one of the one of the things that were bad mm-hmm. uh, among many good things mm-hmm. but it made it seem like if you really wanted to know God you had to ask this guy yeah and that had an impact on me it made me think that uh you know I could I could know God and be a good Christian but I'm never going to know God as good as Reverend so and so, you know, and uh, studying these passages in my late teens, early twenties, really blew that away from me. Like, oh wow, God is saying that it's trusting in Christ and His righteousness is is the sort of gateway, so that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and fellowship and stuff. All these that, that knowing Christ uh, it is based upon what Jesus has done in His work and trusting in Him, uh, not. If Not that, who I am and what I've that, done. If you have that viewpoint that only certain people get to attain certain access to God, it's like as a musician, if I hear a really good bass player, yeah, and they're like just amazing, phenomenal, it's like, I don't think I'm going to play bass anymore. Yeah. I'm never going to be that good. Why bother? Mm-hmm. And for some people, I think you really shut down their faith for them mm-hmm. if they think that they can only really have true relationship and access to God if you know they're chosen to be that yeah. that person. Or they, they work extra hard to attain that because it's not really possible. Yeah, like, you know, we're in our 30s, right? So yeah. we're probably, we're not going to be virtuoso musicians. 
No, I've reached my ceiling. Yeah. You know, we could, we could practice and get a little better. We could learn some more scales and a couple new skills, mm-hmm. but we're, you know, there's, there's no, there's no being crowned the next Eddie Van Halen for either of us. Well, that's one example. Yeah. Well, whoever. He's an example. Who? Who do you want to be? Well, I'm thinking bass, so Victor Wooten. Wooten. Yeah. So there's no being Victor Wooten for you. Right. But um, that's just not how the spiritual life works, because our relationship thank you, with thank God you Jesus. Yeah, is, is based on Christ's work and what yeah. he's done for us. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Um, sorry. <laughs> remember, remember before where I told you to turn everything off so it wouldn't make noise? Yeah. You did and I didn't. <laughs> Sounds about right. So, okay. Um you hypocrite. Now, there's this other thing in the Bible where it does say that certain Christians are going to have different gifts than other believers, and we should just embrace that God is doing different things through different people. And uh, and so that's the other side of it. You know, not everybody's going to be the same. Not everybody's going to have the same relationship with God in, in that sense. Their experience isn't going to be the same. Right. But in terms of, you know, knowing God, that core thing of being in relationship with him, that's based on the work of Christ. And therefore I have unlimited access to him based on how good Jesus is, not based on how good I am. Exactly. And that Dan is a show. Okay. So I'll talk to you next week about things podcast related, because I think we probably have a couple meetings this week because we're super busy. (laughs) (laughs) I think you, I think I see you every day now. Yeah. Anyway, Dan, why are we so busy? I don't know. It's because we get to do awesome things. That's true. It's true. We get to do a lot of great things for Jesus. It's a good busy. It's a good busy. All right. Bye, Frank. Bye, Dan.